I, uh, we've been a little busy. So as the Joe Biden turns, I mean, honestly, the more I watch Joe Biden, and I try, I try not to as much as I can, the more I watch Joe Biden, the more I feel like I'm watching Hillary Clinton with a penis. Some of you might not like me saying that. I'm sorry to be crude, but I feel like I'm watching Hillary Clinton in 2016 uh, from a man with a penis. And what unsettles me about that is if we're basically watching Hillary Clinton campaigning, only a man with a penis as, as her, why would we think that's going to take out Donald Trump in the general election? I mean, I watched Joe Biden's campaign, and I'm going to go through every example. And he's running the same exact campaign as the most unpopular Democratic nominee in American history. He's running the same exact political campaign for president as somebody who lost to a reality television doofus. Literally, it's the same, same exact campaign, which begs to... Begs the question, is, the, is Joe Biden running to win the presidency or is he running to make sure Bernie Sanders cannot win the presidency? First of all, definitely watch the video Jen did this morning where Joe Biden at a campaign event is literally uh, after four women already came out, uh, basically pointing out that he's a creep and that he smells little children's hair that he touches women in personal space they don't want to touch and don't want to be touched in. Joe Biden at a campaign event pulls a little child who looks like, get me out of here, mom, pulls a little child and then puts his hands on her shoulder and basically puts his head right next to her hair. The same exact thing that he went on The View and he said nationally that he was going to stop doing and that's his, it's his responsibility to know people's personal space, he just did last night. Jen did a great video on it, so you can watch that video after I'm live. So Joe Biden, and this is from Politico, who also just did a story calling Bernie Sanders a cheap Jew. This Again, Politico literally did a story that Bernie Sanders is a cheap Jew that I'm saving for Sunday. I'm going to talk about that on Sunday. So Joe Biden is the front runner by every measure except big crowds. So before I read this story to you, do you remember a candidate? Do you remember a candidate in a not so not so distant election who was inevitable? Do you remember a candidate in a not so distant election who was front runner, clear the field, she's going to be the nominee? Do you remember a, nom a candidate who was leading in the polls big time, was, uh, you know, basically the corporate media painted them as inevitable and they basically could barely sell out a bingo hall for a rally. Do you remember a candidate like that? So basically Hillary Clinton could not sell out a bingo hall in 2016. You want to know how I know? Because I was out there covering the election. I remember being at her campaign rally in Iowa, uh, a local Iowa college. She could barely fill out a, a local college gym, the front runner. And now you have Joe Biden, the same exact thing. Joe Biden is the front runner, just like Hillary Clinton was. However, 
he can barely get enough people to fill a bingo hole. He's dominating in the polls. His fundraising is going gangbusters, and he's showing broad support from key political players in the early presidential states. So where are the big energetic crowds, the lines around the block to get into Joe Biden's events? The question is no small matter in a party still recovering from a bitter 2016 defeat, a loss marked by a lack of enthusiasm for an establishment nominee in several critical states. Attendance at the former vice president's launch rally paled next to some of his rivals. In his first Iowa visit, he didn't match the crowds that greeted Elizabeth Warren or even the less well-known Pete Buttigieg in their initial visits. So far, he's kept his events to smaller venues where, the, where there's little danger of empty seats. Oh my God. Oh my God. The former vice president of the United States is getting less people to come see him in Iowa than a, a local mayor from South Bend, Indiana, America's mayor, you know, Pete Buttigieg, the new sex symbol of America, who, by the way, is a complete fraud. Go watch my interview with South Bend's mayoral candidate. Um, forgot her name. Great, great progressive uh, African-American woman. He's a fraud. So Joe Biden is getting less people to his Iowa events than Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, and definitely Bernie Sanders. And this is who you want to take on Donald Trump? Tell me. Tell me in, this, tell me in the super chat. Am I missing something or is this suicidal? Because they tell me, I'm told by the corporate media, rally, crowd sizes don't matter. Crowd sizes don't matter. It's, it's how many people come out to the polls. Well, you know what does matter? Energy, inspiration, buzz. And the thing that was constant when I covered the 2016 campaign, I would, you know, I, I would cover Hillary Clinton's campaign and there, you know, there would be barely any, uh, anyone at the rallies. There would be barely, like you could barely see Hillary Clinton lawn signs in Ohio or Michigan or Wisconsin. But we were told by the corporate media, ah, don't worry about the rally sizes. The people that, you know, older people don't necessarily go to rallies. Older people are the most reliable voters and they don't necessarily need to be inspired. Don't worry about it. Well, we're being told the same exact thing right now about middle-class Joe, union man Joe. Joe Biden, he can't get crowds in Iowa. In the eyes of Biden's progressive critics, as well as President Donald Trump, who publicly mocked him for it, the seeming lack of excitement or teeming masses at his events is a leading indicator of a lack of passion for his candidacy. Quote, I started to think the polls were wrong about Biden because it's not what we're seeing on the ground, said Amy Allison, founder and president of She the People, a national network devoted to promoting women of color. In, quote, inspiration is the X factor, and we're waiting for the inspiration from Biden, she said. When the inspiration isn't there, the turnout from the core of the Democratic base, women of color, isn't there. And then we lose. To Biden's campaign, attendance figures are meaningless metric. Sounds a lot like somebody I knew in 2016, Hillary Clinton. Focusing on crowd size is Trump's game. It says an emphasis on style over substance that attempts to turn audience engagement into an argument about the 76-year-old Biden's energy level. Crowd size, after all, is an imperfect metric to measure a campaign's vitality. While it could be a revealing indicator, it still lacks the scientific underpinning of polling or the, six, or the fixed dollar figures associated with fundraising. 
nor does, it, nor does it account for the judgment of elected and influential Democrats across the country. Just as critics doubted Biden's popularity before he got in the race, his campaign is confident he'll have the crowds when he needs them. Quote, we're seeing enormous enthusiasm for Joe Biden's candidacy across the country, beginning the very first day of the campaign when he got over 100,000 contributions. 65,000 of them were brand new to our list from all 50 states. Even so, since announcing his candidacy more than a month ago, Biden has yet to draw anything near the 20,000 people who showed in Oakland to cheer on Kamala Harris when she announced, or the 13,000 who turned out in Brooklyn for Bernie Sanders' launch. Last Saturday, when Biden held a rally for his headquarters openings in Philadelphia, his campaign estimated the crowd side was 6,000, a count that some local observers thought might be generous. One local elected Democrat who supports Biden privately told Politico the rally was smaller and less energetic than expected. And I'll give you a little behind the scenes. Jen wouldn't let me do it. But I said, is it okay if I tweet out that day? Somebody had tweeted out uh, the attendance at his rally for his kickoff rally in Philadelphia, and it looked like an empty bingo hall. So I said to Jen, is it offensive if I tweet out like, you know, Joe, Next time, make sure you don't launch, make sure you don't do a rally rally at peak bingo time. You'll get a lot more of the seniors over if you're not doing it during bingo time. And I'm not an ageist. I'm not trying to insult the seniors. I love the seniors. I love bingo. But it's true. So there's two things here, right? Trump had pretty big rallies. Bernie's rallies were bigger. You know, Trump kept putting out there, oh, I got the biggest crowd sizes. No, you didn't. I, I was at both of your rallies. I was at Bernie's rallies. I was at Trump's rallies. Bernie had bigger audiences than Trump. Trump still did have um, pretty big um, audience. So Hillary Clinton always had smaller uh, rallies. But it's not just about attendance at a rally. It's about what you see at rallies. Because part of a campaign and part of getting people that aren't political diehards interesting, interested in voting for you is when they could feel an energy around, when they could feel buzz around candidates, when they see that, oh my God, there's all this energy and there's all these people going downtown for a rally for Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump or whatever. They start thinking of themselves. These are people that aren't diehard into politics like us. Oh, maybe I need to look into this candidate, or maybe I need to go to one of this candidate's um, rallies. So it's not just about, it's not just about the actual crowd size. It's about if you have energy, because to win a campaign against a quasi-fascist, you need a populist, an exciting movement type of energy to defeat that. Obviously, you did not get that from Hillary Clinton. And you're not going to get that from Joe Biden because young people don't want Joe Biden. Older progressives don't want Joe Biden. Even middle class, 40 to 55, they're not like, you know, feeling, feeling something in their chest or, or down their legs when Joe Biden speaks. You know, Joe Biden, basically, which I'm going to get to, his campaign slogan seems to be like, make America normal again. 
Yeah, that's going to bring out the young people. That's going to bring out the minorities. That's going to bring out, uh, you know, possible Trump voters to, to consider the Democrat. Just make America normal again. You're telling me that the former vice president of the United States can't get, if you want to be generous, more than 6,000 people, it was probably closer to 5,000 people, out on a Saturday for his campaign kickoff rally? You want to tell me? But if you add that, if you add the lack of excitement out there for Joe Biden, visibly, the lack of excitement, when you add the fact that political Story says they're purposely choosing smaller venues for his rallies to avoid the embarrassment of empty seats. What scares me the most is, you know that feeling when you see like a train that you know is about to crash, um, just like gliding along and you know it's about to crash and you see the people like hanging out the windows, drinking champagne and they're all excited. This is a slow moving train crash, Joe Biden's campaign, because you have reports from I don't like Politico, but, you know, they're reporting what they see on the ground. We've seen on Twitter at Joe Biden events, small attendance and small rallies. So you could see a visible lack of excitement for the former vice president of the United States, who, by the way, when he speaks, nothing really substantial comes out. He doesn't have any policy proposals. The only policy that he has put out, as David Sirota, Bernie Sanders speechwriter, pointed out on Twitter today, he's basically plagiarizing what Bernie Sanders has already put out. Wow. Sounds like Hillary Clinton when she started adopting things Bernie was putting out. But who was going to believe Hillary Clinton would actually follow through on any of those progressive platforms, uh, promises? And nobody believes Joe Biden would do so. So what's scary about this is you have a lack of excitement on the ground, but you also have polls that are, as we've reported at Status Quo and others are starting to talk about, that are skewed significantly towards older people. So you have a lack of excitement on the ground and you also have a basically uh, inflated or exaggerated lead for Joe Biden over Bernie Sanders. Because if the majority of the polls are significantly, are sampling way more people over the age of 50, and again, I always put this as a a disclaimer, we're not insulting our viewers that are over 50 because there's a lot of progressives that are over 50, but by the data, by the trends, older people tend to be more establishment, to vote for the Bidens of the world, the Clintons of the world, the Obamas of the world, you get my point. Bernie's advantage is an under 40, even though he does have a lot of older progressive support. But if you have this lack of excitement and lack of energy, that they can't, that they're purposely choosing smaller venues out there to basically make sure there's not an embarrassment of empty seats. If he's, if his campaign is deliberately choosing to keep him off the campaign trail, which is a whole nother story there. I mean, he's been off, he was off the campaign trail, I think for nine or 10 days. That's a, that's a lifetime in campaigning. So you can't, you don't want to pick big venues because you know, nobody's going to show up to fill them. You're keeping him home in Delaware, because you know that he's a terrible candidate, it sounds a lot like Hillary Rodham Warmonger Clinton's 2016 campaign. Jen, could you let me know in the super chat? Am I wrong here? Am I wrong? Does this sound like does this sound like Hillary? I guess it's Hillary 3.0 because she ran in 2008 and 2016. I see a slow moving train wreck. What is different about Joe Biden than Hillary Clinton's campaign? Nothing. And the scary thing is, again, 
if the corporate media is making this myth and they're pushing these polls that some of these polls, you know, they're, they're polling 900 people and they poll less than 125 of those 900, less than 125 are under the age of 50. So you have the majority of the poll, the overwhelming majority of the poll, I'm talking about CNN's poll in this case, that is over the age of 50. So you're giving this false, exaggerated impression, this, this pixie dust that Joe Biden is beating. He's so far out in the, in the lead. He's beating Bernie by 20 points. But meanwhile, on the ground, nobody's going to his rallies. Even, even older people. Uh, older people are generally the ones going to his rallies. But, you know, you could say, well, Jordan, the rallies don't matter because older people will come out on election day. You need more than older people to beat Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton's problem against Donald Trump was not older voters. They did come out for her. You know what Hillary Clinton's problem was? She had 5% less peop, uh, African-Americans that came out for her as compared to Barack Obama in 2012. She had 5% less age 18 to 29 that came out for her as, a, as compared to Obama in 2012. Remarkably, in the face of a president that talked about Mexicans being rapists and, and drug lords, and criminals, he, she had 6% less Latinos and Latinas come out for her compared to Obama in 2012. The other remarkably moronic part of Joe Biden's campaign, and there's so many, Joe Biden's promise, a return to normalcy. I'm not making this up. Joe Biden isn't promising a political revolution. He's not promising to drain the swamp, restructure the Senate remake capitalism or usher in socialism. What Biden is promising is a return to normalcy. The emotional, the emotional core of Biden's Philadelphia announcement speech came about 25 minutes in. Shirt sleeves rolled up. The former vice president leaned forward and dropped his voice to a conversational octave. Quote, the American people want their government to work. And I don't think that's too much for them to ask, he said. I know some people in D.C. say it can't be done. But let me tell them something and make sure they understand this. The country is sick of the division. They're sick of the fighting. They're sick of the childish behavior. There isn't a single person among you, Biden continued, saying, or elsewhere in this country, who could get away with that, that in their jobs. All they want is their president, their senators, their representatives to do their jobs, just do your jobs. Biden's speech is an intervention in a debate that will define the Democratic Party's 2020 message. The lesson a lot of top Democrats took from Donald Trump's success is that the American people want a fighter, a wrecking ball, a revolution. From that lesson emerged a strategy. Democrats would provide themselves the fighter Trump only pretends to be. If, if that was ever the right strategy, Biden is betting it's not now where most of the Democrats running for president used their announcement speeches to prove their bona fides as fighters, Biden used his to make the case that he's the guy to end the fighting. And more than that, that the American people are looking for a candidate who will promise them peace, not just victory. Quote, I know some of the smart folks say Democrats don't want to hear about unity, Biden said. Quote, the angrier a candidate can be, the better chance they have to win the nomination. I don't believe it. I really don't. I believe Democrats want to unify this nation. Oh my God, where do I start? Who's, who's advising Joe Biden? Who's advising this idiot? So 
let me get this straight, folks. Do a little experiment with me. So in 2011, excuse me, let's, let's go back to 2008. So in 2008, there was a global financial crash. And that global financial crash was basically set in stone in the 1980s, 90s, and 2000s because the Democratic Party, along with the Republican Party, basically let, bent over and took, what it, took whatever Wall, Wall Street wanted them to take. Sorry for my crudeness, but that's what happened. So you have, you have global financial crash in 2008, Occupy Wall Street in 2011, Tea Party with around the same time. Then in 2016, you have an electorate on the Democratic side and the Republican side that is basically revolting against the establishment. Of course, Donald Trump pretended that he was anti-establishment. Of course, Donald Trump was a pretend populist. He's as establishment as they come. He, he's, he's down with the military industrial complex. He's down with regime change and overthrowing democratically elected governments in Venezuela. He's probably going to do it in Iran too. Um, he's down with all of the, the criminality and the corruption of Washington, D.C. He's not a populist. He's a fraud. And we'll get to Donald Trump later and what Mueller said and all that. But what is most important here is Bernie Sanders brought out a pure progressive populist outcry against the corrupt establishment. So Joe Biden and his political wizards advising him, their thought is just three years later, just three years later, all of a sudden that whole anti-establishment thing, no, nah, that's done. That's done. That was just a, that was just a, uh, that was just a phase. You know how your kid's going through a phase on something? That's just a phase. That revolt, uh, that was just like on Twitter for a few days. It's, it wasn't real. People aren't pissed off at establishment figures anymore. People aren't mad at me, Joe Biden. People aren't mad at the Democratic Party. People aren't mad at the pharmaceutical companies. People aren't mad at the uh, banks. People aren't mad at the fossil fuel companies. People aren't mad at their local and state level politicians taking blood money from the NRA and doing nothing for the people. People aren't mad at Silicon Valley stealing their data and selling it to the highest bidder. People love the establishment. All people want is just a return to the good old days before Donald Trump. So in three years, Joe Biden and his campaign wizards, their strategy is all these people that were against the establishment suddenly want establishment to feed them, to clothe them, and all they want is for the good old days of establishment. Well, let me tell you what a return to normalcy looks like. And I want to be clear, folks. I don't cover Donald Trump every day. Uh, I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I cover him when I think we should. It's not every day. I, I, the rest of the media is doing that. If status quo wanted to be totally about money, totally about growing, totally about clicks, we would cover Donald Trump all day long like an outlet that I used to work for who will remain nameless. If we just wanted clicks, if we just wanted money, we would cover Trump 24-7, but we happen to have an old-fashioned idea, and it's called journalism. So we cover other stories. We get out there in the field because we think that Donald Trump is a symptom to a much, much more severe disease. And there's a reason Donald Trump was actually elected in the first place. So we go cover those stories. And we cover Donald Trump when we think he needs to be covered.
you could have a former vice president and his campaign staff, Dawn, thanks for the two bucks in the super chat. How? Um, I just can't believe that these people are stupid enough to think that the way to defeat Donald Trump is to say, hey, let's go back to the good old days when half the country was still poor, when people were dying to because they didn't have health insurance, when the politicians were making decisions that were burning the planet, when the politicians were basically giving sexual favors to the pharmaceutical companies to screw you, when the politicians were basically selling out your local communities and states to real estate developers who gave them money. So they gave the, the real estate developers give the politicians money. The politicians give them uh, your downtown and your land. Uh, the real estate developers then come in. They don't have to pay taxes. They, there's deregulation. And then all of America is gentrified. And native people, people native to those cities, have to move out. It's called gentrification. Bernie Sanders is the only person talking about it on the campaign trail. You know, another thing, you know, Joe Biden wants to make America normal again. Hey, let's, let's make America normal again. How's that look for normal? You see that red line starting in 1980? You see that blue line starting in 1980? Yeah, let's just go back to those normal days of the absolute theft of the working class of America's productivity and all the wealth getting gobbled up by the corporate corrupt United Corporations of America, because that's income inequality in one graph. And this is what Joe Biden's talking about. Really what he's promising you is let's go back to the good old days of corruption. Let's go back to the good old days of injustice. Let's go back to the good old days of neoliberalism. Let's go back to the good old days of planetary destruction and basically selling our land to fracking and mining and, you know, climate change. We'll, we'll do a middle ground on it. Let's go back to the good old days where we let real estate developers do whatever the hell they want. Let's go back to the good old days of the super PACs and all that. Blah, 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 blah. The good old days, meaning let's go back to like today, how it still is, with the only difference being is I won't tweet about it. I won't tweet crazy things. You won't have to see this Twitter and reality show all the time. The corruption will be more hidden in the background, rather out up front from the president. Joe Biden is running a campaign basically telling you, make America corrupt again, but the corruption will be in the back, in the back rooms, hidden from the public. Make America less tweety. Make America less tweety, but it's going to make, make America the same. It's not going to be any different. Yeah, Joe Biden and the Democrats are not going to be as vile and Islamophobic. Make, you know, they're not they're still going to, you know, bow down to Wall Street and corporate America, but they will be nice to minorities. But most Americans, and I think most of you in this live chat, in this super chat, most Americans can't afford, you know, a return to normalcy. Most Americans, no matter what the corporate media tells you, it's not a booming economy for most Americans. Most Americans are in a day-to-day -day crisis financially. People I know are in financial crisis. And financial crisis, by the way, is, is a big, big 
contributor to mental illness. So, you know, if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden, uh, his return to normalcy, he's going to have to explain how he's going to unwind that because that's normalcy, folks. The theft, the generational theft of our money to the wealthy. Even worse for black people. The return to normalcy means the police doing whatever the heck they want to do. Uh, a return to normalcy means let's frack, let's frack, 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 frack till we can't frack no more. I want to point out one more thing about Biden. No one's coming to his campaign rallies. It is, his campaign kickoff was, according to the campaign, 6,000 people. According to observers, less than 6,000 people. And he's also barely on the campaign trail. Senator Bernie Sanders plans to enjoy ice cream with New Hampshire voters to celebrate Memorial Day. He won't be far away from Maryland Governor John Delaney, another presidential candidate, who's in the midst of his 19th trip to the state. And Iowa Senator Cory Booker is rolling through the cornfields in an RV while Kirsten Gillibrand unveils a family bill of rights. And here's former Vice President Joe Biden's agenda for the holiday weekend, according to his campaign. Joe Biden has no public event scheduled. Those seven words are becoming familiar for the Biden team. Aside from a campaign swing right after the announcing his candidacy, Biden has kept his head down while his rivals rush from state to state. Even when he has held public events, they have included only a handful of questions from voters or reporters. The light public schedule reflects the unique position of his campaign, advisors say. With near universal name recognition and high favorability ratings among Democrats, the former vice president does not need to introduce himself to voters. Oh, boy. But there are risks. Voters in the early primary states, especially Iowa, with its caucus system that rewards on-the-ground organizing, wants to see the candidates personally and often. And there is the danger that Biden's schedule could reinforce a word President Trump is already using to describe his candidacy, sleepy. Well, if you watch the video Jen did earlier on status coup, go watch it after this live stream, I would also throw out the term creepy because he's still touching young children at public events and invading their personal space. And this poor young girl that he put his hands on over and bent down with his hand in her, in her hair looked like she wanted out. Watch that video from Jen. So what do they think? What do they think? This band is just a manic. It sounds like his campaign Basically, it, it, it's like this is a, a mannequin. Joe Biden is a mannequin that they put back in the store and they only bring out in, in, day, in daylight. No, excuse me, that they put in the back room at, at, the, at, the, at Macy's and they only put out in the showroom like once every two weeks. Sway Ocean, I would call U.S. elitist socialist crony capitalism. I'd call U.S. fascist, fascist corruption, but that's just me. So I'm telling you folks, and I want you to save this video, there is a slow moving train wreck and his name is Joe Biden. He is Hillary Clinton with different body parts. He can't get anyone to come to his rallies. He doesn't want to campaign 
His campaign purposely picks small venues because he can't fill bigger venues. He has given no policy. His only policy is make America normal again and unity. You know what candidates, what type of candidates preach unity? Candidates who have no actual policy or way to inspire voters. And you know what Joe Biden has that's a lot worse than Hillary Clinton? It's a lot worse than Hillary Clinton. And I hate to say this because I think Hillary Clinton is pretty bad and awful. Joe Biden has such a longer and worse record towards African-Americans than Hillary Clinton. Joe Biden was in the Senate for 30 years. Hillary Clinton was not. Hillary Clinton did say super predators. Hillary Clinton was on board with the crime bill, but she wasn't a senator. Joe Biden drafted the crime bill. Joe Biden was against busing. Joe Biden, which I'm going to cover this story probably tomorrow, has gone to events honoring congressmen and senators that were anti-civil rights. Joe Biden has gone to events honoring uh, lawmakers that are, 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 are fans of Stonewall Jackson and Confederate soldiers. Joe Biden was ranting on, on the Senate floor, I don't want him near my mother or your mother, referring to, you know, criminals, i.e. those black people. Let me tell you something. It might not matter for older African-American voters, particularly women, uh, older um, women of color who will like him because he's attached at the hip to Obama, but it's going to make a big, big difference for millennial black voters, and I think it's going to make a, a difference for older male African-American voters. When Joe Biden's full record on crime and, and race issues and civil rights, and he was not a friend of civil rights, and he was not a friend of the civil rights movement or black Americans, when that comes out, it ain't only going to be the young people that are anti, the young black people against Bernie, um, Joe Biden. You're going to have adult males against him. I don't, I'm, I'm not a white guy telling black people what's good for them. I'm telling you my political thoughts and analysis. Robert Mueller broke his two and a half year silence today. Here's what he said. Here was the main part that I think is important that he said. The first volume of the report details numerous efforts emanating from Russia to influence the election. This volume includes a discussion of the Trump campaign's response to this activity, as well as our conclusion that there was insufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy. And in the second volume, the report describes the results and analysis of our obstruction of justice investigation involving the president. The order appointing me special counsel authorized us to investigate actions that could obstruct the investigation. And we conducted that investigation and we kept the office of the acting attorney general apprised of the progress of our work. And as set forth in the report after that investigation, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. The introduction to the volume two of our report explains that decision. So it explains that under long-standing department policy. Basically, and I tweeted, I tweeted this, and boy, did I get a lot of crap for it. Basically, Robert Mueller just repeated what was in his report. 
He just said it out loud. So what he said in his report was, if we, if we had an opinion that the president, if we came to a conclusion that the president did not commit a crime, we would say so. Meaning, we did not come to a conclusion that the president did not commit a crime. But everybody is getting so excited. CNN and MSNBC, oh my God, Rachel Maddow is going to pop a, pop a blood vessel tonight. Everybody is getting super, super crazy excited that Robert Mueller said out loud, if we had come to a decision that the president did not commit a crime, we would have said so. Well, I already know that. We already know that from the report. And by the way, I'm seeing the comments. I've, I've seen this stuff about Assange. I haven't had time to look into it. I want to look into it more. But there are definitely reports that he's in bad health. So I'm gonna, we will look into that. Don't worry about that. So Robert Mueller basically said in person what he said in the report, which is basically it's up to you, Congress. It's up to you what you want to do. We, we, don't have, we don't have the evidence that we can't say he didn't com commit a crime. And the whole ridiculous thing and why I don't understand why this isn't the biggest topic of discussion. Dawn Evans, do you think they should impeach Trump? No, I don't. I don't. I'll tell you why. Thank you for the $2, by the way. Why is the topic not about why we even have this statute in the first place? where a sitting president cannot be indicted. Don't we have a system where a president, he or she, is not a king? If they keep saying nobody's above the law, which is BS, by the way, there's two, there's two different legal systems in, in this country, actually three if you want to count uh, African-Americans and Native Americans. There's a legal system for rich people and connected people. There's a legal system for un unconnected uh, people. And then there's a legal system for African-Americans, Native Americans, and Latinos. So there's three legal systems, but when they say nobody's above the law, that's just BS. Powerful rich people are above the law pretty much all the time. But why isn't the discussion, what was the point of this investigation if, this, if, if Mueller could not actually bring any charges by a ridiculous, by a ridiculous Department of Justice guideline? To me, that's the biggest outrage here. What was the point? Like, if he found clear obstruction of justice that could be charged, it sounds to me he was not actually able to charge it. Even if it was blinking red lights, obstruction of justice, which I'm already on the record saying, I don't like, uh, I, I don't think he should be impeached for political reasons, but I really don't, uh, any objective person who read it, he did obstruct justice multiple times. I mean, it's, it's very clear he obstructed justice. People who say, well, you can't obstruct, how could you obstruct justice when there's nothing to obstruct? There was no crime found as far as collusion or conspiracy. You don't need a crime. You don't need an actual criminal result for obstruction of justice. You need criminal intent. So even if he tried to obstruct justice, regardless of whether there was a crime to obstruct or not, even regardless whether there was a crime to obstruct justice to cover up, just the act of trying is a crime. So the bottom line is this. I don't understand what the point of Robert Mueller's investigation was if him and his army of prosecutors 
we're not allowed to charge Trump with anything. But put that aside. Put that aside. Listen, I do believe in an actual rule of law, okay? I do believe in actual rule of law. I think, honestly, there's much worse things than Trump did that are grounds for impeachment than obstructing justice in the Mueller report. Uh, you know, his, 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 um, his bans of, his, of Muslim people from the country that have been knocked down in time and time again in the Supreme Court. His administration, uh, you know, putting children in cages and, and losing children and children dying on their watch. I mean, he's still making money from his real estate company as president and making decisions as president that benefit his business. There's plenty of ways to go if you want to impeach Donald Trump. I don't think this is the worst of it. Him, him, him obstructing or trying to get um, his lawyer, Don McGahn, to fire Robert Mueller. Yeah, it's obstruction of justice and to the letter of law. But impeachment is not a legal thing. Impeachment is not a legal proceeding. Impeachment is a political proceeding. So you have to come to the conclusion. Is this impeachable? Well, if this is impeachable, why isn't all the other illegal things him and his administration have done that I just listed some of them? Why, why haven't we been talking about impeachment for that? You can't have selective impeachment. You can't impeach him for things that politically you think would help you, meaning impeachment proceedings over him obstructing justice on the Mueller report, but not try impeachment for Muslim bans, for um, children dying at the border, for, um, you know, Stormy Daniel payoffs, for... financial crimes in his administration for him making him literally making money as the president violating all sorts of laws in that way so if you're going to impeach him you have to be if you're going to embark on impeachment proceedings it's kind of to me a little suspect that this is the this is the um, this is the leg you want to stand on for this his inauguration committee and financial laundering that went on with that. So why I, why I say, listen, I think if I can't give a firm, no, we should not impeach Donald Trump because I can't in one breath say we need to have an actual rule of law in America. And then in the other breath say, but don't try to impeach Donald Trump. He, he did break the law. He, he did obstruct justice. But there's not, Congress can't do anything about that in a criminal way. Only courts and prosecutors and states can do something about him obstructing justice. And I think the Southern District of New York, who is currently investigating the Trump Foundation, who is currently investigating Trump's real estate companies, the Trump family business, when Trump, if Trump loses that election, which I don't think he's going to lose it if he's running against Joe Biden. I think he would lose it if he's running against Bernie Sanders. He might immediately have some officials and prosecutors from the uh, Southern District of New York office outside Trump Tower with handcuffs 
and I'm not being dramatic, because I always said, including when I was at the Young Turks, it's not about Russia. It's not about Russia and the, and the Russian boogeyman and he colluded with Russia. That was always a kooky conspiracy theory, and I was proved right. And frankly, Cenk and the Young Turks were proven ridiculous, if we're, be, if we're being honest. They were wrong, and they still to this day refuse to admit they were wrong. Jake has gone on to say, well, I never pushed the collusion theory. Yeah, he did. I was, on a, I was on a panel with him pushing that Trump's campaign colluded with the Russians. But I digress. Congress can't do anything about him committing a crime because Congress doesn't have the power to put him in jail for that. Congress could only impeach him if he has violated his um, oath of office and done impeachable things. Now, then you have to look at, well, is it, is it going to work? There was, a, there was a chance, a small chance, but a chance that Bill Clinton could have ultimately been impeached. There was a chance. There is no chance that Donald Trump would be impeached. Not with Lindsey Graham and the other Republican senators who are like scared little scarecrows and Donald Trump could literally shoot someone in front of them. You know, Donald Trump says he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Well, Donald Trump could shoot somebody in front of a fellow Republican senator and get away with it. And they'd say, well, we don't agree with him shooting somebody, but, you know, just Trump being Trump. So it's not going to pass. So then the question is not whether you want to whether we should begin impeachment proceedings, but whether it's worth all of this show and theatrics, which is going to distract from the actual issues that helped elect Trump in the first place. That's what all this is about. It's a, I think Trump did wrong. I think he did obstruct justice. I think he should be brought to justice criminally, not just for obstructing justice in the Mueller report, but for money laundering since the 1980s. He didn't uh, build his business legally. He's been dodging taxes and money laundering since the 80s. And the corporate media ignored that when they were covering him and giving him $2 billion worth of free airtime in 2016. If the corporate media would have done its job, he might have not been elected. But they chose never to focus on the money laundering because it was just the ride was just too nice. The reality show was just too nice. But I think if you if the, if the Democratic Party suddenly has such principle and they think, well, we have to do our constitutional duty. You know what? Do, do your constitutional duty and protect, protect Americans from foreign and domestic terrorists. Because you know who are the domestic terrorists? It's the pharmaceutical companies killing people like the like the son I just told you about. They're domestic terrorists. The NRA are domestic terrorists. The fossil fuel companies are domestic terrorists. The bankers, to me, are domestic terrorists. Do we focus on that because you're not going to be able to actually impeach Donald Trump. So I'm not saying he hasn't done things that deserve impeachment, but we're already, you know, we're, we're at the year and a half mark away from the election. You're not going to impeach him because the Republican Senate won't do it. So the question is, do we want the theatrics to make us feel good that they tried? I'd rather beat him in the election.